0: Yo, I love my job. I absolutely love what I get to do. I've said this multiple times and I'll continue saying it, but my most favorite part is being able to connect with all these different individuals with such unique backgrounds and such unique perspectives. But... Overall, our goal is pretty much the same. That's the one thing that we have in common is just wanting to provide love and support for our people. And today's guest is no different. I got to sit down with Dr. Thomasina Chupko, who is an Afro-Indigenous advocate for Indigenous and African-American women. I love it. It's so empowering just to even be in her presence and just be able to have this conversation with her. Dr. Tupco is the founder of Indigenous Intentions, which is an Instagram page you definitely need to go follow right now. And, you know, one of her approaches to being able to provide a platform that is informative and educational is through jewelry. And the contemporary approach to this jewelry is super duper cute and is dope. And I love it. You guys need to go check it out. Dr. Tupco possesses a doctorate in education, but something that was really awesome that we got to talk about was she is the first one to admit when she's ignorant on a topic. Her response to that though is amazing and it's absolutely beautiful. When she does not know something about a topic or anything about a topic, she will dig, she will search, she will connect with someone that has the knowledge and she will learn, she will absorb all of it, she will take it all in Another but, she will not hold this information and just keep it for herself. No, 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 no. What she does with this Instagram page, Indigenous Intentions, is she shares what she learns. She pushes this information out for other people to be able to connect with that individual who has the knowledge. I find it absolutely beautiful and it's amazing and I've been able to collaborate with Indigenous Intentions on safety training and we were able to share this knowledge and bring it back and forth and she was able to post it and share it with other people. I love this. I absolutely love this platform and all the various topics that she talks about. She'll talk about um, SAGE, the importances of talking about uh, BIPOC issues and jewelry sharing, like everything in anything in between. It's such an amazing page. Y'all want to listen to this conversation with Dr. Chupko? It was awesome. Let's go. Hi, I'm Cola Shippentower, and this is the Enough is Enough podcast, the show where we talk about everything and anything from politics to relationships, from fitness to sex and everything in between. We talk with individuals who have said enough is enough and are ready to speak what's on their hearts.
1: Um, yes, I am Thomasina Chepko, I hold a doctorate in education, um, and I am also the founder of Indigenous Intentions, uh, I am a, a member of the Seminole Tribe of Florida, and also I am African-American, um, and my main point of advocacy is the MMIW plus movement, um, and also activism work within the um, BIPOC community, Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. So a couple of things in there that's really, really cool. I have actually not directly spoken to anyone from the Seminole tribe. So this is a, a first for me. This is really cool. Um, there's a lot of differences between even just the cultures within this culture of indigenous people. And I love that you're also Afro-Indigenous. Uh, my son, my middle son is Afro-Indigenous. So it's really awesome to be able to connect with people, to be able to kind of give him a little bit more insight to be in touch with that that side of his um, bloodline. So um, so are you an enrolled tribal member of the Sem- Seminole tribe?
1: Yes, I am a tribal member.
0: And about how many do you know off the top of your head about how many tribal members do you guys have?
1: Um, we're a fairly small tribe. Uh, we have about 4,000 tribal members. Yeah, we're one of the smaller tribes uh, as of right now because of the enrollment process, I believe. But I know that there's so many uh, larger tribes, like the Lakotas, I think theirs is like, um, I don't even... I don't know. I know that they're a fairly
0: large tribe, so I know that we're one of the smaller ones. Yeah, it's really interesting nowadays because I don't know if it's the same for your guys' tribe, but for the Umatilla tribe, our blood quantum has to be a quarter of yes. any any tribe um in order to enroll here. And I wanna say our count is up to like thirty five hundred enrolled tribal members right yes. now. Um yes. that that are alive. Um so I this got brought into perspective for me because of, uh, buffalo hunting. We have a lot of other tribes that we are working alongside. And I was talking to some of the black Fleet tribal members and they're up to like 70,000 because they dropped their blood quantum down to, I think it's like one eight.
1: Yeah. I know that, um, a lot of tribes they did drop their blood quantum or they don't have the blood quantum, um, law in place. Um, my tribe does go by at least one fourth, uh, the Florida tribes is made up of two larger tribes, which, was, which is the Seminole tribe of Florida and also the Miccosukee uh, tribe of Florida or tribe of um, Indians. Um, and so um, essentially Seminole and Miccosukee are of the same people, but there are just some political differences back um, in like the fifty, the 40s and 50s to where we had to branch off from one another. Um, and so, yeah. Um, I'm enrolled Seminole even though I have family that's also Miccosukee.
0: That's really interesting that I don't think a lot of people understand the differences between the federally recognized tribes. So on paper, we're recognized as just the Umatilla tribe, but most people don't understand that there's actually three tribes within ours, which is Cayuse, Umatilla, and Walla Walla. So it's mm-hmm. like three different peoples. If you really got down to the knit and grit of it, there's a lot of differences, in, especially in the language. But we were all so close that we just got combined into one federally recognized tribes. So a lot of uh, non-Indigenous people don't understand all like the ins and outs. And one of our past guests, uh, Che Jim, is actually Danae, and he was explaining me to like all the branches and clans. And it's just really interesting to me to hear about other tribes. Mm -hmm. Now, the enrollment process is something I definitely want to touch on with you, but that'll be just a little bit later. You had mentioned uh, you have a doctorate.
1: Yes, in educational leadership and
0: organizational leadership. Oh wow! So, what brought about wanting to pursue that that field?
1: Um, really, for uh, it's always been a big goal of me of mine to uh, give back to my tribe, um, because I did uh, maintain a scholarship from my people. So I always wanted to go back and you know work and uh, contribute to uh, the Seminole Tribe of Florida. Um, so initially, um, I've always been a Big advocate for education, and um, my grandma, my grandmother, always instilled that in me. And so um, I was just like, I love to to teach others. I love to educate others, even um, when I'm not trying to. It's just something that comes naturally. Even though my my minor is not in education. I'm more from a healthcare background or alternative medicine background, um, and so that all kind of combined into one uh, with the medical side and wanting to to educate people, and that translated into um, higher education for me.
0: That's really awesome. And I am definitely an advocate for people pursuing their education. I mean, I grew up with my dad telling me every single day when I was leaving for school is knowledge is power. And so education is really huge. And I know something right now that's a little controversial for some people. And, you know, it might not be new, but it's kind of coming to surface a little more. I was actually working with a college group uh, last week in regards to advocacy. And one of the girls was talking about the lateral violence between, um, your own people we have some elders that are of the opinion of um why you're going to colonize this way you're you're learning the white man's way so uh what what are your thoughts on that
1: um I think it's important to have both it's whatever you decide to do um and whatever it is that you gravitate towards because I really admire people who stay traditional and who know the traditional ways and they educate in that way in a sense we're all um, educators at some point in our life so um, I really admire that but I think a combination of both is really what keeps you grounded um, within this type of world um, I will put so uh, I think a combination of both is great but um, I, I don't really like um, leaning too too much towards the scholarly side because I know um, the educational system <laughs> too much and how it operates So I try to stay somewhat um, more traditional or in the middle using both. And I feel like that really helps me and is beneficial for me.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think everyone's journey with their education or advocacy work is going to be very individualistic. Mm -hmm. It's going to come down to, uh, like, your own mindset, your own heart set on what you're wanting to pursue. You know, I think a lot of us have faced that when we left for school, like, going off to college and we're being told, like, you're learning the white man's way, you're being modernized. But on the other hand, in almost the same breath, people are like, the only way our people are going to survive and stay preserved is modernizing and learning um like textbook uh knowledge so it definitely I think you're right like I I absolutely agree is it's going to be um people's own thought on their own journey so uh I want to get into, because you're talking about like the education information piece, which is really how we were able to be become connected. And you know, like it's 2021, everything is social media. Like everywhere you turn, everyone's carrying a phone. Nobody is like really looking up anymore at anyone. Everything is virtual, which I find really awesome. The pandemic was a blessing for me. I'm able to connect with people like this or teach classes virtually, which has been really awesome for me. But what I really want to talk to you about is your Instagram page called Indigenous Intentions, which is so amazing. And I just want to hear, like, how did this Instagram page start?
1: It's been (laughs) quite a journey. Um, It initially started because um, I'm a part of the Indigenous Peoples Movement. And so when that whole organization and coalition started, um, being one of the first ones to be involved in that, we needed... um, funds to help, you know, um, fund that, that initiative. And so, um, me and a few of the people in the coalition were like, okay, what are some ways that we will be able to, to make some things, uh, freed for our people, but also generate, um, income for the organization. And so I made my first pair of charity cuff bracelets, um, for uh, the indigenous people movement. And from then on, it just kind of you know, caught on with the educational piece and just connecting with people of different indigenous backgrounds, just simply from that one group and working with that group. And so it just hope opened up a, a different world to me because I know a lot of us who grew up around res or on res, we can have a very um, we just know our family, our people, and we don't really know uh, much about different natives or different tribes. And so it was a learning experience for me. I, w- I, w- I won't say I was closed minded because of the organization that I did work for, um, the NLC. It helped me to train and help other tribal organizations and tribal um, nations through like trainings and teaching. And so that just kind of opened up a world of learning about different indigenous people in that sense, in the educational sense. But um, I just combined both uh, initially with the jewelry um, because uh, growing up, you know, beading is a, a big part of our our tradition and jewelry making is a big part of our tradition as well. So um, I just took to that and, It became like a passion of mine and I I grew the page from there.
0: Now, what I really love about the jewelry that's on your site is that it's really contemporary, which is what a lot of people are starting to move towards. I think there's a a little bit of a thin line for a lot of um, indigenous artists right now where we don't want to stray too far from the traditional regalia that we wear and the traditional beadwork that we do. But a lot of people are wanting to expand their creativity and express themselves in different ways. And so they have this like contemporary art, which I'm seeing quite a bit on your page. Like, I love it. I think it's absolutely cute. And the gold and just the wording and everything that you have on that page. And it's super, super cute and adorable. I, I know that everyone needs to go and check this out on your page. Um, but how are, how are you feeling about this shift with uh, Native American artists that are kind of bringing more of like the cultural feel to their to their craft now?
1: Um, I think it's actually quite expansive. I know, um, speaking for myself and Indigenous Intentions, I started off with uh, the gold cup bracelets, but I really didn't know how to uh, design, like, golds or anything like that. I mean, to, to work, So my collection after that was beadwork. But I know that I could only make, like, a small quantity of that, and not everyone will have a chance to buy that. And so I wanted to make it, like, a... Um, a, like a more affordable alternative but still keeping true to what tradition is and so I I love that it's going into that contemporary route because it's it's trendy and but not too trendy like it'll get more people involved in um what indigenous people have to offer but also it's not appropriating the culture so that's why i like the idea of the charity um braided bracelets that way people who are non-indigenous can contribute to the indigenous um you know uh, culture and world and actually have a giving back effort to in investing in the indigenous culture as well so in the community,
0: you know, you brought up a point that I did want to touch on, which is cultural appropriation. How do you feel about non-Indigenous people taking up beadwork or any other type of craft from our <laughs> Indigenous community?
1: Um, I'm I'm honestly not a big fan of it. I understand like the appreciation of um, our beadwork and everything, but it's a craft, and I understand people do want to learn how to do it, but also it's a respect thing. So I'm not really that big of a fan of non-Indigenous people actually doing the beadwork. And if you do do beadwork, try not to make it like the Indigenous style of beading, if that makes sense. So if that's like your design, your craft or whatever, um, I think that that's totally fine. But completely like mimicking the Indigenous or Native or even African beadwork, I'm not really, you know, that big of a fan of it.
0: You know, what's really interesting is I'm, I'm a little partial on it. And I, I say it from, from two different perspectives. One being the cultural appropriation has to stop. Like we're, we're behind this whole, like, getting rid of the mascots, that sort of thing, and then also, like, these girls need to stop wearing bikinis with war bonnets, like, and they really don't understand where war bonnets come from, and then I'm also seeing, um, just a lot of, like, non-indigenous people that are trying to take up beadwork or making regalia for their own personal gain and profit, I definitely do not like that, but in the same breath, um, not even in the same breath, I think it's pretty, it's pretty different, um, I'm adopted, and my dad is actually biologically my great-uncle, Mm-hmm. and is super ingrained in their culture he is very traditional does all the the different things that our tribe does he's been around for like a really long time and he's just really knowledgeable about this stuff he did um he was on the powwow trail for a long time he really uh attends our long house and participates quite a bit a lot of people when they have questions they'll go to him um and so my mom is actually white so it's really interesting after they had gotten married he really brought her in and welcomed her into the culture and as did a lot of people but keep in mind our reservation is only four miles away from the nearest town which is where she is from so oftentimes people will combine Pendleton with the reservation and it kind of just really intermingled but they're coming up at a time where interracial couples is like a hard thing. Like we're talking about the like 60s and 70s where seeing a Native American man with a white woman was really, really hard for people to accept. Yeah. But he was very strong and stood his ground and loved his woman and brought her into our culture. And she was very close with a lot of my grandmothers that are in the longhouse and my aunts that were uh, doing all the traditional teachings and things like that. So they really took her under their wing. Now, it's gotten to a point where she's been doing, like, making wing dresses, doing beadwork, and doing all these sorts of things. She actually knows how to dress in full regalia, and she used to attend the Longhouse quite a bit. So, we had a lot of people from the community that would come and ask her questions on what to wear. So, it's kind of rare to see that. Um, So, for me, I'm kind of like, oh, which way do we go with this? I think there's this this understanding that non-Indigenous people need to have. It's... It's so weird. It's like don't just don't just try to come in in here and say like I'm doing this and try to make your own gain off of it, but if you're being welcomed into it, I think that's that's something different.
1: Yeah, I that's totally understandable. Like I understand like being a, you know, a mix within the indigenous community. And so I feel that it is okay if it's someone within your family who is non-native and they have that close tie to the community because they have a child who's native or a niece or a nephew, whatever. I think that that's totally fine. But like you said, just coming in and just taking it for a personal gain and you don't really understand the, the tradition behind it or why we do certain things, that's what I, I personally am not a big fan of.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's funny. I, I always think of, um, you're familiar, you've seen Dances with Wolves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like stands with a fist. Everybody has a stands with a fist in their tribe. Like there's always that one white person that's come in and they're part of the tribe regardless of what anyone else says. So so going back to your Instagram page, you have over 33,000 followers, which is actually really huge for uh, a page like this. Did you think that it was going to go off like this?
1: Um, I knew that there that I had a community and I knew that I had community support. So I somewhat kind of figured um, that it would, but I'm all about sincerity and genuine supporters and genuine community. So um, I I believe in growing it in that way of being organic. Uh, So I know that that was there for me, given the indigenous community and how we are supportive of each other. So I love that about the growth of the um, Instagram. And yeah, yeah. So I kind of did figure that it would be as big as it was, but I didn't know how, if that makes sense.
0: So what is the overall goal of the page then?
1: It's to continue to educate on indigenous culture and for people to know that we do still exist. And um, the practices that we do um, want to share Uh, is not about like oversharing certain practices or tradition. It's keeping it uh, like a general consensus of what it's okay or appropriate to share within the indigenous culture. And so um, it's a respectability thing for me. And it's to raise awareness for certain causes and initiatives that plague um, the BIPOC community. And um, yeah, and having the jewelry there as a, you know, a fun thing to do for my creativity, because I'm my educator, but also I need to release through being creative as well.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. And again, I absolutely love the the jewelry on there. You yeah. did send me a little necklace mm-hmm. with the empowerment kit, that 2.0 mm-hmm. version. And that's the only thing I was expecting. So um, for anyone that's taken my safety training, Indigenous mm-hmm. Intentions has this uh, empowerment tool the 2.0 version i was sent and that's what i've been pushing in my safety training when people ask me about a uh, self-defense weaponry um but what i thought was really cool was that you sent that necklace along with it and i absolutely love it it's it's adorable it's cute so everyone definitely needs to go check out the instagram page and take a look at the jewelry on there so as goes with social media there's ups there's downs there's pros there's cons what are some of like the maybe some of the negative possible feedback or any sort of backlash? Have you have you experienced any of that with this page?
1: Um, I haven't really uh, felt any backlash because I'm very mindful of what it is that I uh, decide to post on there. Um, but I did, I, I believe one post, I had backlash and I ended up deleting it because like when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like I have no problem admitting that. And I was wrong for um, posting it because it didn't align with, a certain demographic of my supporters. And so it had to do with the the white sage uh post and the appropriation of it and it was a young um native girl just like venting about how um certain people shouldn't use white sage and I felt that I felt strongly about it so I posted her on there and it was just like no you know her tone and everything like that. And I'm like, <laughs> she's young and she has the, the right to feel how she wants to feel. She's expressing it in this way. It's her culture as well. So what's the problem? So I had to kind of sit with myself because I did get a little bit of like, not much backlash, but some comments on like, oh, that's inappropriate. And I'm like, okay, well, I understand your take on it. And so, um, yeah, I ended up deleting it. But other than that, I didn't, I haven't really gotten that much backlash because I'm I'm very mindful of what it is that I post, but I know certain things traditionally or culturally, um, we aren't supposed to like share to a wider audience. And that's one of my things on posting educational posts, it's what to share and what not to share. So I can remain in that safe space for my community and for people who do um, support Indigenous intentions so that they don't feel like it's one of those pages that always gets constant like negative feedback, you know, so um, that's how I kind of gravitate as of right now with the educational piece.
0: You know, that's really, really tough trying to keep this balance and not fall over too much to one side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I feel really blessed that I'm kind of just like, I'm going to post what I want to post and not have to worry about it. But I, I can only imagine how difficult it must be trying to find just trying to keep, most of your audience happy and that's really interesting that you brought up that post and that um there was a little bit of uh, negative feedback on that specific one because there's a lot of I'm noticing it now more than in the past is a lot more non-indigenous people are starting to use more like sage and I know a Locally, for our tribe, we're very much behind encouraging people not to buy your sage. That's just not how we've done it. It's always been gifted, or you just ask someone if you need it, or you go out and you gather it yourself. So, what are your thoughts on these? Um, I think they're calling them smudge kits. Is that what they're what they're called?
1: Um, I don't. Well, I don't particularly like smudge kits or anything that has to do with the mass production of our medicine for. Commercial use because we usually use it during ceremony or a sacred practice, and that's what we call a closed practice. So, some things are open and some things are closed. So, it's just like that respect um, of wanting to share your medicine, but that's an individual thing as well. So, if you do decide to share your medicine, then that's on you. Um, there could be backlash from like your tribe or your elders, but it's very individual. And I know that there is like a a fine line between the Native community on appropriation and what's not appropriation. And I'm very, I'm like a, I'm not very traditional, but I'm, I have an old uh, mindset when it comes to certain things because I was raised from from my grandmother, and um. So a lot of what she instilled in me is what I, I grew up to be when it comes to traditional things. So I don't want to be too closed-minded about it, but I'm not. A, I, I'm not an advocate for the smudge kids. I I think it is appropriative, and um, I think certain people should stop using it because it's endangered.
0: And I'll be quite honest only because I I like to be transparent, especially with our listeners, because there's a lot of people that may have the same um, opinion or thoughts on this, Mm -hmm. is I'm starting to see these smudge kits um, more, coming more from like yoga companies and businesses. And, you know, there's always been this (laughs) Really weird thought on yoga on how um, I've heard one person describe it as like satanic. I've heard other people say it's a whole different religion in its own. And I'm coming from this place of like, I just thought it was a class to like stretch. Yeah. That, that's what I thought it was and so it's more of these businesses that are um yoga based I'm starting to see the smudge kits and the crystals things like that I'm not big on the crystals I think things are pretty and if they're shiny they catch my attention um but that's just how I feel about crystals yeah. um but the smudge kits is as how I feel there have you been able to talk with anyone have a little bit more conversation about crystals in regards to just using them for ceremony
1: um no I'm not really a crystal like user um I'm I'm right along with you on that. Like if they're pretty, then they're just pretty. Um, But I am a person of like medicine. So if it does have healing properties, then I would go to someone who knows more about crystals. But um, no, I haven't really had much conversation around it. I know a few people in the indigenous community do like uh, go by the crystal ideology. Um, I just haven't really learned much about it to, to incorporate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll be the first to admit that I'm probably pretty ignorant to it. Again, if it's shiny, I, I want it <laughs> and I'm going to touch it. Thank you. Like, I like bling, um, that sort of thing. But I, I really love your page because the amount of education and information that you're putting out, and it's not just you on your own, you're collaborating with your followers. You're allowing this space to be able to have people share their knowledge on these different topics, all the various topics. And, you know, or you're covering this huge array of topics. What has been your favorite so far?
1: Um, it's been the medicine, the herb uh, portion because that's kind of like my my comfort zone of like knowing. Uh, what the medicine does, but I'm not above reaching out to someone of a different tribe and learning, like, hey, is this appropriate? Like, it, it, what else should be incorporated in this post to make it more likely for those who are in your tribe, because that's not my medicine. So I try to get the the go ahead or the green light from other people, where it is their medicine, because I wouldn't expect everyone to know what sweet grass does. And that's more of my tribe's, you know, medicine, particularly. So um, that's what what I love is the collaboration, because I know I don't know everything. Indigenous people come from many parts of the world, uh, many different cultures. And even though we have a general idea of what each other does, practice wise, we don't know everything about one another. And so that's that's very important to me is to collaborate with other people, because I know I don't know everything.
0: You know, like you're you're my people. (laughs) <laughs> like we we I I love when someone is able to admit that they don't know everything I mean today we're there's a lot of people this upcoming generation that feels really entitled and yeah. they think that everything should just be handed to them and that they know everything and it's really really tough I think we've all gone through that phase a little bit but That's I think it. nowadays it's really, really hard, especially with social media. As soon as you post something, if someone doesn't like it, it means they're wrong, you're right, that sort of thing. So it's just really humbling. And I love being able to connect with people that are willing to sit there and say, I do not know. So teach me. Like can you? And be willing to ask the questions. So it's really awesome. And that's what I love about your pages because it it really is educational because I'm very ignorant to other tribes and their ways and just being able to do work like this and cultivating these connections and being able to sit down and read something if I'm going to be on my phone it might as well be something worthwhile and your posts are always really really just full and packed with information of things that I've never known before and that's what I, I particularly love about it.
1: It's like our collaboration as well. I know that I don't know much about like self-defense or, you know, safety in that aspect. So it's, I love to reach out to people like you who know way more than I do when it comes to those, those types of trainings, because I would be a fool to try to train <laughs> someone in something that I don't really know much about. Like I can gain the educational part, but it's that practical part as well. That's very important.
0: So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And that collaboration was actually really fun. And for anyone else that's like, I really want to talk about this more, share more information. It's it's not a painful pro- like process with you. It was very just like, here's the information and you pretty much took the information, learned from it and Packaged it up in this pretty, pretty bow and put it on your Instagram page, and it looks so amazing. I was like, oh, I wish I can post like that. Like, I wish my stuff looked like that. It looks really, really pretty and just you know appealing to the eye. People wanna wanna get into stuff that's gonna keep them really engaged with it. So, that's the fun part about your Instagram page. So we touched on this a little bit earlier when we first started talking, and it's a it's a pretty heavy topic for some people. Um, But there's this 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 lateral violence between our people. Mm-hmm. And you you have a, a, a really interesting perspective and one that I would really love to hear more from is being Afro-Indigenous. Mm-hmm. Can you touch on just what lateral violence right now is looking like in today's day and age?
1: Um, from my personal like perspective, like growing up being um, Black and Native, I know I experienced certain lateral violence within my community um like being darker skinned and you know um just traditionally what you're allowed to learn and what you're not allowed to learn like it's this whole um you know it's it's custom and it's um protocol within tribes and so that's that was one of my things like just growing up as an adult it doesn't occur as much because when you gain that sense of uh self-esteem and um identity you kind of sit with that now and become more confident in who it is that you are and so um gaining that confidence and being a person who is mixed race um that's very, very important to identity. And that's what helped me within social media because had I not experienced that in my personal life or uh, throughout Indian country in general, I probably wouldn't be strong enough to do most of the stuff that I do online. And so that was a learning process for me and that puts me in a position to kind of help other people who are um, mixed indigenous. And so giving them that safe space and that platform to. Speak about how they identify because one of the things that does bother me is people telling you how to identify and it's like no you don't know what I went through or my struggles so you cannot tell me how to identify and Melanin and Mus- uh, Muskogee did a really pretty post today about Afro-Indigenous, Black and Natives, Black Indian like where it's, it's what you choose to identify like yeah it may be seen all all the same but If I don't identify as black Indian, then don't say, oh, that's what you are, you know? And so, um, yeah, I I feel like that's a part of the lateral violence is when people tell you your identity, especially on social media. And um, yeah, dealing with that.
0: It goes back to the old saying of like, don't label me sort of thing. And don't judge a book by its cover. Mm hmm because a lot of times I've had people approach me and they'll start speaking me in Spanish. I'm like, I don't speak right. Spanish. And for most people, it's like, well, you, you look like you could. Okay.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, you look like you could. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't make any sense. And it makes us all look really foolish. And, you know, I think in the work that I've been doing just in the past year and being able to connect with people more virtually, I'm noticing that a lot more younger people, and I'm talking probably like the age span of like 18 to 25, they're really struggling with this lateral violence. And because that's your, that's your prime age for trying to figure out who you are, even as a person, not just as a race or culturally, you're trying to figure out like life at that point, And you're going through all the weird struggles, the awkward phase. What would be your advice to someone younger that's trying to like, navigate through this lateral violence? Like, what, what would be your, your main um, point there?
1: Um, it's pretty much um, talking to people who do build you up, not to people who, like, tear you down all the time. And um, your loved ones and having those conversations about how you feel about certain topics and just conversing, really. And that gives you a sense of security, of conversation and a safe space to have those types of conversations with others. And it's it's pretty much like instilled in you at a young age like your personality or who you are and when you branch off to like the adult world or the real world you tend to get a little confused you know like about who you are and so it's just coming back to center um and learning and having those types of conversations with those who love you um initially and from then on you know you you gain your group of friends and those supporters who are online that give you that sense of community as well to kind of have those conversations
0: yeah I absolutely agree and you know I'm behind this whole idea of we're all like indigenous at at some point and I'm talking like Mexicans Blacks Mm -hmm. uh, Native Americans Samoans Islanders um, Indians anyone of like people of color and we've already experienced so much oppression and negativity and all these horrible situations and circumstances and things like that so why is it now in 2021 we're still pointing the finger and saying you're not indian enough you're not black enough you're not this enough you're not that enough and even if we were to break it down to me and someone else from my tribe they're going to tell me i'm not not native enough because i don't do enough in the longhouse or i don't participate yeah this enough or um I don't powwow so I I might not be native enough and that's I'm I'm behind the thought of like enough is enough like this shit has to stop because it's it's just hurting us more than anything and it's helping the ones that we're wanting to assimilate our people it's Mm -hmm. it's helping them, it really is and so I think as one whole collective people we're already facing a really big issue right now and this came up really, really big last year. I mean, it's been going on for centuries. Like that's, that's no secret, but it really came to light last year with the whole BLM movement. So what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, that was a very heavy period of time. And it's still happening today with the, the police brutality and, you know, someone's losing their life, almost daily. And so it's something where you have to pay attention to and become very aware and do uh, an action behind it because it's not enough to just do a post or, um, you know, to, well, it is enough, like, to bring awareness to it, but you should want to build upon that type of awareness, so seeing um, what you can help with grassroots efforts, whether it's allocating funds, or whether it's being um, out there being a voice, or standing behind the people who do need your help, like, true allyship, in a sense, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's a very heavy period of time, and it's still going on today, and finally, there was, somewhat of justice in Minnesota, but we do see it still being an ongoing thing that needs our attention, but it's also important for advocates to pour back into themselves um, with self-care and things that makes them happy to keep them sane at the same time, because if you keep on pouring into, you know, that type of um, news or negativity, you're going to continuously be drained and not have enough strength to continue to do the work that you need to do so it's important to take care of yourself too
0: yes like 110 percent. it's like the whole analogy of trying to fill up a glass jar with sand continue filling it up until it just bursts and anyone that does this type of work the really heavy work of advocacy I have to think of it because I have a fighter mindset I have to think of it as rounds like I I can work 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 but I'm gonna have to take my break in between rounds and kind of pause on everything, take care of me, and then come back low force if if I need be. And you know, like you said, there's there's moments in time where we're getting this, um, a, a like a glimmer of hope where we're seeing where accountability is being put into place. It's not justice because we're still kind of like right. This is still continuing to happen. And you know, there's some of us that are very much like we. We love our military. We love our law enforcement when it's getting the job done. But when it's failing us, like how it how it has in the past, it really, really hurts. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from a perspective of um, having a lot of family that's been in the military. I mean, as Native American people, we're fighters, we're warriors. So, of course, we're naturally going to gravitate towards the fight. If we need to continue fighting for our country and our people in that sort of sense, our people will continue to do so. But also, I'm coming from this perspective of, like, fuck the police, I hate you, to this shift where I did a lot of healing, a lot of work, to now I want to pursue law enforcement because if there's issues with law enforcement, I want to be a part of the resolution and trying to figure out what needs to be done in order to make changes. And then also being married to law enforcement, it provides this other perspective of, I need you to make it back home. I know you have a job. You got to protect our treaty rights. You're out there helping our people and serving our community. You're one of the good ones. I know you are. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, But just please let him come back home. And then on the other hand of having three boys, one of which is only 11 years old and almost bigger than me. And my worry is like, dang, what if he goes out for a jog and doesn't make it back home yeah. because of how he looks or the neighborhood he decides to go through. So it gets really scary, but you know, I, I definitely am on the side of like, continue praying, continue being optimistic that, Things are going to shift. Things are going to change. And the right people are going to, like, Deb Howland being in the office now is a huge ordeal. Like, so these shifts are being made. These changes are being made. And um, I'm just pretty, I'm feeling hopeful at this point.
1: Yeah, it's important to remain, like, vigilant and patient because we know things, this is an ongoing um, problem, even for Indigenous people for centuries. So to think that everything is just gonna have a turn of events within a a year, um, that probably won't happen or, you know, it's gonna take a lot of time. And so for us to remain patient and actually do the work that we are able to do to make that difference within our community, because it doesn't really have to be on a larger world scale. It could be in your own household, your community, you know, starting small and kind of changing perspectives in that way, that is a great change. So, um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Even though it's frustrating and we see what's happening, it's just, you know, just remain patient and vigilant. And like you said, pray and just do the best that you can within this world, honestly.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't have to be these huge steps, like you said. It doesn't have to be something huge and monumental and pivotal. Like, the, the small things add up and raising our children and leading our own lives with an open heart and open mind is huge. When other people see those acts being done and just being so mindful of how we move in this world on our own individual journeys can be just, it, it amounts to a whole lot. So I definitely don't want our listeners thinking that it has to be like these huge steps. It could be as simple as if you see a, a movement or a nonprofit doing work that you really are wanting to support and want to help and it you can donate $10. That means a huge difference. That means something like a podcast that can mean like donating towards a new microphone or being able to subscribe to specific software that's needed to be able to publish certain posts. I mean, it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be these, um, like global scale movements, how we conduct ourselves day to day is really important. So, um, what are, do you have any other side projects besides like, I've I've really only seen your um, Instagram page, but do you have any other projects going on?
1: Um, actually this week is the action week for MMIW Plus. Um, and I'm working with the NIWRC, the National Indigenous uh, Women Resource Center, <laughs> um, to help with their action week and to become a sponsor in order to create those initiatives for different states or cities that want to start those grassroots initiatives. So that's been on my my mind for this week going into May because May 5th is the Awareness Day for MMIW Plus. So um, that's the main project that I'm working on. And also I'm uh, working on some self-defense somewhat um, keychains um, to kind of help push that forward and to get proceeds like more uh, funds within the MMIW movement um so yeah that's what I'm working on right now
0: how exciting because I'm actually going to have Mallory from NIWRC on the podcast so Mm -hmm. yeah I'm super excited to kind of hear the collaborations continue and these partnerships and the work going into MMIR and things like that because honestly that's where my heart that's where my passion is so being able to hear about other people continuing the work really excites me because I think we're we're making these steps Towards resolving this epidemic for Native American and Indi- Indigenous people. And it's it's huge. And it makes my heart happy to con- like hear about the continued work. So that's really exciting. And this has been amazing today. And, you know, we covered some really heavy stuff. So I love to end every episode with some rapid-fire questions. And I tell my guests, do your best to only give me, like, two, three-word answers. No explanation. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay, current watch on Netflix.
1: Oh, I don't have one right now.
0: None right now? Okay, let's see. Um, Starbucks, what's your order?
1: I don't even drink coffee.
0: (laughs) 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 I'm so boring. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, Uh, if you could eat one meal for a week straight, what's it going to be?
1: Baked uh, macaroni and cheese. That's not even a meal, but yeah.
0: You know, it can be you know on its own that's amazing and if there was one group on instagram that you could collaborate with what group is that going to be
1: Ooh, probably the illuminatives
0: The Ill- Illuminatives. i've seen that yeah actually i, w- I do want to hear a little bit more about this because i don't know if our listeners have seen that I- explain who that group is
1: um they're just a group of native uh, people who do a lot of good work within the community but as of recent they did a great job of holding um, one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta members um, accountable for her cultural appropriation of the Halloween costume. And so um, I felt really strongly about that and I'm so glad that they uh, were able to reach out to Bravo to somewhat have some a resolve. And I believe it was last night or the night before the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion came on And Kenya Moore, who was the person who um, did the whole costume thing, she publicly apologized and it seemed to be very sincere and she got the point. So um, I love that type of action and change within the community, and kind of tackling those issues head on. So that's what I love about that collective.
0: That is so awesome. I definitely do follow them. And I did see those posts on there. So our listeners definitely need to go over there and check that out. Definitely follow indigenous intentions. And here's my last rapid fire, your go to self care, self love. What is it?
1: Oh, it's aerial yoga. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like it relaxes me if I can stretch in the morning, I do it. But It kind of, like, you know, makes me relax when I'm anxious.
0: That's so awesome. I love it. I've been wanting to try that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with before we go?
1: Um, No, just check me out on Instagram. At Indigenous Intentions, be on the lookout for um, all the creative projects that we have and the collaborations that we have, and um, help us to bring awareness to the MMIR or the MMIW Plus movement um, coming up this week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Enough is Enough podcast. If you would like more information on our host, guests, or podcast episodes, please visit us on Instagram at EIE541.